Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Until it puts them up. And I'm lucky enough I've got a real nice lab. She's, I had a sticker on my old truck that said, my lab is smarter than your honor student. And I believe that's true. Yeah, she's uh, Summer's a good dog. And how does a guy go about finding these these places? To I mean, is there a book in the DIA? Uh, I guess the website. I'm yeah, it's the easiest way to go is uh, go on to the WDNR website. And in the search engine, use public hunting properties. And you can even narrow it down to the county. Public hunting, Waukesha County, Jefferson County, Dodge. How do you know which ones are stocked with the pheasants then? Well, you can also search... On the DNR website, pheasant hunting, and okay. then, it'll, then it'll bring up all the properties that they stock. It'll talk about the point at hatchery, so on and so forth. Now, does a guy have to always wear blaze orange on those properties? I'm thinking if it's, if it's public hunting ground, I'd be maybe wanting to wear a orange vest or a hat. Just for a safety reason, you should also wear that and safety glasses. Right, But, of course, whenever there's a, a gun deer season, you have to wear blaze orange if you're hunting anything other than waterfowl. Waterfowl, you do not have to wear blaze orange even during the rifle season. Right. But I would strongly suggest having some orange with you when you walk in or walk out from waterfowl hunting. There was an accident, uh, wasn't it a year or so ago? Wasn't a waterfowl hunter shot by a deer hunter? Um, seems to me there was a story about a year ago. I I sh- it, I- it wouldn't it wouldn't be a far stretch of the imagination to have something like that happen. I would but- think even waterfall hunting, just having a little bit of orange, just a little bit of something, wouldn't be a bad idea well, during what- deer during the gun deer season. Well, this is the time of the year where you can you don't have to necessarily get wet to go waterfall hunting. You can right. field hunt. Right. If you can scout, you can see multiple flocks of geese and hundreds of mallards going into a particular field get in and either set up an A-frame or a layout blind, brush it up real good with whatever's laying around you, and just wait for them to come. If you got decoys, it's even better. But if you're laying out in the field and seeing something moving and somebody's, you know, trigger happy, they can they can throw a couple of chunks at you. But walking in or walking out, definitely, if you've got a dog with you, put an orange vest or some bright color on that animal because it's four legs and it's moving. Do you have orange for... For your dog? Summer has a nice bright orange vest that she wears if we're going out field hunting. Yep. She's got a little... Summer will get right in the layout blind with me. I've got a zipper down by my feet that she's looking out where my feet are. When I sit up, she takes off. Well, speaking of uh, the geese, uh, the other thing I was reading this week is that because of the cold weather, weather, it's kind of pushed a lot of the geese down onto the fields. And uh, it's made for good hunting for the goose hunters. Well, they're in the fields, those picked fields now, looking for the grain crops that fell out of the harvester. Right. Because they need that high-energy food to stay warm. And they're just hundreds and thousands of them coming in. Uh, Now, are are the geese that are hanging around now, are those all the uh, 
the local, uh, in, uh, the, the giants, in other words, do the Canadian ones just keep moving on through, or do we have some of the Canadian flock mixing in, in as well? It's both. It's, it's both the, the locals and the, the migratory birds from what they used to call the Mississippi Valley population. Now it's just the Canadian goose. They used to have certain seasons and certain uh, populations that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the Canadians were working and worried about. Right. Now a goose is a goose is a goose. They don't care. The season's going to run for so on and so forth. And uh, But they those geese from up in Canada start migrating the middle to the end of September. That's why when you see that early season in Wisconsin, right. it's from September 1st to the 15th because that's where you're going to take out most of the locals. And, and then the then the nor migratory birds start moving and in. And the migratory they're not as big as the locals, aren't they supposed to no, be? No, they're slightly? not as big as the locals, no, because the locals are what they call the giants. Yeah, they get uh, a few pounds bigger. That's from all the little old, old ladies feeding them popcorn in the parks probably. Well, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there, it was 30 some years ago that they thought that the giant population had expired and had gone extinct. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Hey, I think we're up to our uh, 7 o'clock break. We got uh, a quick... Now, we used to have, like, a news update, Al. We don't have that anymore, so we're going to go to break, but don't go anywhere. Okay. All right. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back. Yes, indeed. We are still here 10 seconds later. This is the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors second hour. Thanks for listening. Hey, we uh, gave our kudos. Kudos. Is it kudos or kudos? Kudos. I think it's kudos. I don't know. Isn't one an African antelope or something? Oh, that's kudu. That's kudu. Kudu. And cooties are what you used to get in grade school from girls. Remember cooties? God, now we're really going off the rails. So, anyway, I want to give thanks to the police officers out there, the men in blue, the first responders, and uh, certainly our service people. And, hey, even the hardworking guys working overtime today, like Mike, going into work. You are the Americans that keep this country running and great, not those elite establishment, Washington people, congressmen who get elected one term and then they get pension the rest of their life. And they got an insurance, health insurance plan that you're not on, my friend. So, Anyway, okay, that's... Uh, I'm got, surprised more people don't run up. for that job. You know what? That would be a great gig. You get hired once. I mean, if a 28-year-old bartender can get elected, why not me or you, Al? A dingbat. A dingbat bartender. Well, I too. know why you couldn't get elected. That story about you having some drunk blind guy driving back in Stevens Point would come back to haunt you, hey. as well as many other things that you can't talk about maybe, on the air. Maybe it's just that I've I... have got a few I, skeletons myself. Yeah, I, I... got put on double probation at Evangel College when they double, wanted to kick me out. Double secret probation. Dean Werner pulled me aside. <laughs> in addition to picking up Fat, campus trash, I couldn't get involved in life. any more act 
activities. Yes, indeed. So, but yeah, if we didn't have those skeletons, we could run for office. You're a Congress. You go there. You fight, you argue about stuff. You don't really have to do squat. You get Not people much. to type stuff for you. I'd even get a secretary. Hey, Margie, type this up for me, will ya? Yeah, and remember which button it is to dis, you know to erase certain parts of the tape that you don't want yeah. anybody to hear. <laughs> Why? <laughs> don't. <laughs> Rule number one. Rule number one, Don't yeah. have a tape recorder. So anyway, uh, let's see, where was it? Oh, uh, we're talking geese there. Um, so how late will this... Uh, for? How about for pheasants and geese? How long are you going to keep hunting them now? Well, this will be the second year of the split goose season. Okay. You get the maximum allowed under the treaty is 107 days, I believe, for waterfall hunting. And Wisconsin takes full advantage of every day for goose. They don't do it with with ducks because the federal government sets the dates for ducks. And when the goose season, when the duck season closes, which they call waterfowl, season closes at sundown on December 1st, goose season will close. And there'll be a break until December 15th when the goose season opens again and it'll run until January 3rd or 4th. And this was something that when I was in the Congress and the chair of the Migratory Committee, I pushed for what I was calling a holiday goose hunt. Okay. Because if they didn't split the season, the goose season would end on December 21st or the 23rd, depending upon what day it started. All those days were used up. There was no more hunting. Well, look what happens in just a few days. Kids get out of school for the Christmas break. Right. Guys get off of work because of the holidays and so on and so forth. And they were having a holiday deer hunt. Now they have a holiday pheasant hunt. They didn't have a holiday goose hunt. So I pushed for it and pushed for it. And the the most recent waterfowl biologist, Taylor Finger, said, it doesn't matter to me when you look at the kill reports of geese, less than 1% of the total harvest of Canadian geese happens in the month of December. So if you want to shoot them in the middle of December, the end of December, the first part of January, we don't care. So we were able to get that through. And as long as pheasant season stays open on public land, I'll be out there hunting with, with summer. Okay. So it's still good even that late in the season? Yeah, you have to push them a little harder. And a fellow with two artificial knees right. has got to be careful moving through the cattails and so forth. But, you know... It, it still gets you out, gets you moving around, and if it's not a single-digit day, right. it's, you know, it's a nice walk with the pup. Gotcha. Uh, another question, though, as far as the geese. Uh, they do have the early season. You can shoot five, and then it goes to two. Three. My, uh, three. Okay. My question, there's so many gosh-darn geese. Why don't they just keep it five all the time? I mean, don't you think the population is so high that they could blast twice as many and it still wouldn't hurt? There again— day? You have to remember that that first 15 days is an effort to reduce the local population. That's why it's five. When you start getting migrators coming through, the federal government is like, well, you know, back off a little bit because you're you're taking half of the birds that get killed from September 15th through the end of November are local geese. Right. But then the other half are those migratory birds. So they're trying to protect the migratory ones. Not so much the ones crapping on your golf 
court. Last last year was a very very hard spring for those birds to nest, as it was the year before. Right. There was an awful lot of snow, and then when there wasn't any snow, they had a real late spring snow that supposedly killed a lot of goslings. So they were somewhat worried about the migrating geese, but the locals they agree with you. Yeah, there's plenty of them around, and they're still. There are townships and cities that apply with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is the only one that can give these permits for what they call taking of geese. Right. They'll wait till they molt and they can't fly. They'll herd them into a pen and humanely euthanize them and then turn the food over to pantries and so forth. And then there's another situation where the state will get these geese and they'll bands on them and then right. release them again and that's a way to judge the population and how what gets shot what doesn't get shot well so yeah forth. years ago i went with you to phantom lake and we did a goose round up there when the dnr was banding and tagging yep. them yes that's I right and i learned how to grab a grab a goose and, and you know which end to point that other end at i know which one <laughs> crapped on my, my yeah. shoes so yeah. yeah okay hey another thing i was going to bring up to you uh the cwd thing in the state you know, for years uh, under the Walker administration, they just kind of said, well, let's just monitor it, which I was always always critical of because I thought, you, you know, you don't monitor cancer. But now they're taking a much more aggressive approach, at least as far as trying to find out how far it spread. I think the DNR was a little bit surprised when they did start more aggressive testing at just how far it has spread across the state. And I see in Washburn County, they're actually asking it's not just saying, hey, there's a kiosk avail- available if you want to get your deer tested for CWD. They're encouraging hunters in Washburn County to donate heads because they want to check for monitoring CWD. Washburn County several years ago had a single positive come, and they were put under the CWD rules. And before legislation changed, you were under those rules forever. And... They did an awful lot of testing and grouping, and as far as I know, they haven't gotten another positive in Washburn County, but they're still interested to find out if you don't get a positive test in so many years, the rules are supposed to change where you can go back to baiting and doing everything else under recent uh, legislation. But they're encouraging... Everyone that hunts and gets a deer, no matter where you are in the state, they encourage you to turn the head in. Now, with the deer that I arrowed a couple of weeks ago, I let everything freeze so I could cut the antlers off. And then I took the head in to the service center right there in Waukesha on Barstow Street and turned it in for testing. And they gave me a six-digit number. And she told me that in about a week, I can check the website put in that number and find out if it was a positive or a negative. Yeah. Now I had two does that I shot last year and, uh, I dropped those off at, uh, schnitzler's there in Sparta and they're such a nice family owned sports shop. Yeah. You know, a dying breed, I think salted the earth people. The guy comes on out and just takes a saw and cuts the heads off for me and <laughs> throws them in a and he says, they'll let you know, and you could go online, you could see the number. Yeah. I, I got, actually, I got three deer tested. I did, my brother got one. I said, hey, why don't we, he had another doe, so we had those three tested. But um, I was thinking, well, what if I didn't 
feel like, what if Schnitzler's was closed? And I drove back to Waukesha County. Where would I go? And I went online, and I was thinking that the uh, DNR service uh, station by that, what, park, whatever, is, is that? It's not Kettle Moraine, is it? Uh, There's one out in Eagle. Yeah. When, I thought one of the— And the scupper not out there. By the— um, Whatever the oh anyway, but you said that you can go to the service station on Barstow, is that right? It right at the state office building. I walked in with the head in a in a white garbage bag, and I talked with the wildlife biologist. I wanted to know it's been hanging for about a week. You know, it froze solid. I think they recommend get it in within about a week. And he said, as long as it's frozen and it doesn't smell, they'll do the test. Okay. And I said, well, okay, I'll bring it in in a white plastic garbage bag and he goes that's a lot nicer than other people do they just bring and throw it on the counter and the girls behind there are sometimes yeah so much not so much you know but uh they were willing to take the take it and like she said about a week you know and as long as we're talking about guys that are going to be going out hunting if you're going to sight your weapon in today mcmiller is going to be open and I know a group of uh, ladies, they have a woman's sporting heritage. They're going to be out there with a brat, I think a hamburger sale, all day. I guess it starts at 9 o'clock and maybe run till 3. But I know it's going to be very busy out at McMiller today with uh, people trying to sight their weapons in. And if you're a conscientious hunter, you should make sure that your weapon shoots straight. You don't want... Uh, any missed shots on that big trophy of a lifetime, and certainly you don't want to wound something that you have to track for two weekends. Yeah, I remember the old days. Uh, no, of course, I've sighted all my firearms in, but back in the day, I just had a pump thirty oh six I got from my dad. And uh, most, most of the time, oh, back, this is in the 80s, if I went to a range, Brown County Range or wherever, Deep Pier Sportsman's Club, I'd wait in line forever back then. Used to be cold nights waiting in line forever. I yes. remember you'd go there uh, after work, and uh, I'd go, I'd take one shot. It'd be, you know, right around the bullseye. I'd go to pack up the guy and go, what are you doing? I said, I'm done. And that's all I did for years, one shot. And then so after, I, then for about, for years, I never even bothered. I, I, Dad would say, you want me to take a shot? Yeah, I'll take a shot. He'd take a shot at a tree. Yeah, it's shooting good. That thing was never off. But... You do have to, you really should check it because if something happened where it got banged or whatever. You never know. And different, people don't realize, I mean, even different brands of bullet in the same weight. Absolutely. Can, can be off. One of the strangest things I ever saw, Al, I, uh, I got, when I got my Ruger 1022, I actually, okay. I, I and my friend Troy Woodrow fished a musky, WMT musky tournament. Had we caught one more fish, we would have won 10,000. But as it turned out, we only got $400. But I took my half of the winnings, 200 and bought a Ruger 1022 and I went to uh I went to the range in uh Waukesha, the uh what's the one uh indoor range there? Oh, it's a WCTC. Think. Not that one, that's the other one. Fletcher. Fletcher. Fletcher, Fletcher yeah. Arms. So uh, yes. anyway, I had some t- uh, tons of 22 rounds. I had some old Winchester Wildcat 40 grain and then I had some CCI 40 grain 22, right? They're both long rifle. Would yeah. you believe that at like 15 yards or whatever at the range, I sighted it in with the CCI, and then I was out of those, and I went to shoot some of the other ones. They were shooting at that close range an inch and a half to the left of where the other 22 long rifle was hitting. I couldn't believe that that would, with 22 shells. Yeah, and when you're squirrel hunting, you're wondering why you're peeling bark and you're not hitting anything. Well, sometimes it's actually too... <laughs> one time I went hunting and I, I bought a... Well, I think we got up on break. I'll tell this story when we come back. 
Uh, I'll tell you a story about one time I went squirrel hunting in the Beloit area. So, yeah. So, anyway, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, 799-1250, hang on. And uh, if you guys have any comments, questions, uh, deer hunting stories, uh, give us a call. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. So that was your last clue that there, was the huh, last Danny? clue. We played Eagles, Doobie Brothers, Kiss, and Heart. What is my meme? We call it M-E-M-E. Can anybody figure it out? Uh, some astute person might. Anyway, what do you got there? Uh, you got quite some interesting stories there. Tell us the cougar one. Well, on the outdoor news from November 1st, right on the front page, it said, In for the Kill. And these are some uh, trail camera pictures from Washburn, Wisconsin. And in the first picture that was taken, uh, let's see what we have in time frame here. At 1.33 p.m. in Bayfield County, a show a doe out along the edge of the woods. It was a Tuesday, August 20th. And number two, a cougar surveys the area at 137. It's It's like you were at the zoo and you took a picture of the back of the head. The thing must have been sitting right by the camera. And then on photo number three, it actually catches where this cougar is attacking that doe. And that's at 138. And the fourth picture, at 145, it shows the cougar standing over the kill. It actually got the doe. And then at 146, it's, it's coming right back towards the camera where it's dragging the doe off to eat it by the throat. Now, all of this took place in 13 minutes on a trail camera. And when I looked at that, I thought, geez, that's pretty cool. The guy actually got that on a camera. And then all of a sudden, my blood started to run cold. I thought, holy free holies, what if you're turkey hunting, sitting there in camouflage, calling a turkey? You'd never even know this thing was coming. And which, what county was this? And, uh... What? Burnett or what? Bayfield County. Bayfield County, which is right up next to, you know, my palatial, yeah. palatial estate in Douglas County. It was in Washburn, Washburn, Wisconsin was the report. In fact, there was a cougar spotted about, oh, I don't know, 10 miles from my land. Was it last year, the year before? I think it was spotted on some trail cams up there. So, you know, it is a little chilling when you think about it. Now, that kill, it took 13 minutes. So, basically, that cat sat there for a long time before it made its pounce right it it surveyed the situation and anybody ever watch your kitty cat hunt in the yard they are stealthy i mean they'll stop and look and look and look tail twitching a little bit i mean they make they measure the distance and make the rush when they think they can best succeed so Imagine sitting there calling turkeys and being studied by a big cat looking at you, trying to figure out what you are. I, I don't think I'm going to turkey hunt up there. I'm glad I'm turkey hunting down here. I don't think I don't think it's going to happen, but it's it's kind of eerie that you know. My mind went to that right away, and I went, "Holy free holy, see, that's not a good idea." Well, the other but, thing a guy sometimes worries about too is what if you're up bow hunting and you you 
shoot a deer and you go back and find it at 10 o'clock at night and it's dark and you... <laughs> And you're cleaning it, and you got your up to your shoulders in blood, basically smelling like blood, blood, blood everywhere, and and a pack of wolves comes along, you know, yeah. So it it does make a guy, uh, it does make a guy think a little bit about put, that. Put your head on a swivel, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, you were talking about the CWD thing in Washburn County before. Yeah. Uh, you think that if they don't find any any positive tests, that they'll go back to some where they can bait and stuff? Then is that what's going That's on? That's what the legislation states. Uh, if they find a deer uh, with CWD, it's a three-year baiting feeding ban. And if you're in a county that was adjacent to it, they had a ten-mile circle, and they didn't find it in your county, but you were in that ten-mile circle, you only had to abstain from baiting and feeding for two years and then it would lapse so what happens i with i'm not into congress anymore so i don't get those current right. updates but uh that was the original plan but you know and and, and two of the outdoor news uh, publications one from the first with the cougar and then the other one on the 15th on the first it said right on top of the page report crossbow buck kills not a problem and it goes into saying that it's, you know, biologically not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. And on the front page of the very next publication, crossbow deer kill on a record pace. So one says don't worry about it, and the next paper is like, well, you're killing, you're getting so many deer. So I, I don't know. I Well, you did I your best to add to the record there, Al. <laughs> and nope. if, I, if I had been on my game a couple of weeks ago and had decided to shoot that buck when I saw him coming in 60 yards away and had the crossbow up and ready, I would have drilled a nice at least eight-pointer. Uh, you know, I never would have taken a shot over 30 yards with the crossbow, nor would I would have with a compound bow when I was able to pull it back. Right, right. But my I, shoulders are so bad now, I could pull a cross, compound back maybe twice. Right. But then I'd have to get a back scratcher to, you know, to scratch my nose. I right. wouldn't be able to lift my hands up to feed myself. Yeah, it is. Uh, I didn't even shoot my bow this year because I, I was lifting weights and wrecked my left shoulder. And I'm like, ah, doggone it. You know, used you... to be my elbows were so. I passed up a big buck years ago when I when I tore my tricep tendon and and it came up and, and I just was too shaky. I didn't let the arrow fly. I wasn't going to just lob one in there and wound the thing. You know what I mean? So I, I let it go. Um, I, I want to make a clear... Uh, clean shot so anyway uh we were talking about uh, uh the the bird... your squirrel hunt out oh, there. well okay we we're yeah. talking we we're talking bird hunting uh i guess you know we haven't i haven't done any squirrel hunting this year yet oh really and this is one of the uh yeah it's it's one of the rare years i just haven't got out now of course i was mentioning that buck i could have shot a couple weeks ago i actually did have a bunch of squirrels running all around me in an area where I went uh, last year deer hunting. I didn't see hardly any. And this was on a terribly windy day. Huh. And one thing Normally, that, one thing that people, yeah, on a windy day, forget about squirrel hunting. Yeah. It, that is the worst possible conditions of windy day. I think the, the squirrels are, if anybody's ever watched a squirrel, they look pretty nervous most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when you, that's you why think, people say that guy's need, squirrely. You think you need anxiety uh, medication? Take a look at the squirrel in your backyard. You know their their heads on a swivel all the time, and uh, they anyway uh, when it's windy, I don't think they can hear their you know any predators or anything, and that that makes them nervous. You know, 
one of the coolest things I ever saw, Al, was uh, I was squirrel hunting, and I all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this red-tailed hawk yep. comes flying by my face and goes crashing down by a log about 15 yards away, and a gray squirrel goes under the log or in the log and disappears. So, And I didn't even see that little gray squirrel hanging there, but the hawk had better eyes than me. So then the hawk disappears. About 15 minutes later, I'm sitting there, and a, a fox squirrel comes out along the side of the tree. So bang, I nail him. He hits the ground, and he's wounded, so he goes to take off, and all of a sudden, poop, <laughs> the red-tailed hawk was right on top of it, talons in it. Then I and, uh, I and the red-tailed hawk had kind of a stare down there. It was kind of like Clint Eastwood in the Western, you know. For a few dollars more, yeah, or, uh, yeah, you feel lucky. of dollars, and someone was going to whistle. <whistles> Can't do that right now. <whistles> when the rifle, when, yeah. remember when the rifleman, the guy with the rifle, yeah, what was his name? I, yeah, yeah, and Clint had the pistol. He I says, remember. when the man with the rifleman meets the pistolero, the rifleman always wins. He was wrong because oh, it was yeah. Clint Eastwood. But anyway, we had a stare down, and uh, I hate to say it, I chased the hawk away and got the squirrel. And I later felt guilty, Al. I thought, you know, he's out there working for a living. Yep. Right? What am I doing? I'm just some schmo on a Saturday afternoon in the fall shooting fox squirrels. Did you ever notice that when the squirrels are down in the ground, they're constantly flicking their tail? Somebody, I don't remember who, but, you know, when I started hunting, I started hunting small game, rabbits and squirrels. Right. And whoever it was that was showing me and telling me, he said, what you want to look for is movement. Squirrels will constantly be moving their tail. And I, after a while, why? Well, a predator from the sky is looking for motion. They would rather have it grab their tail than grab their body. And you and I have both seen squirrels that are missing parts of their tail. Well, that's... Now, that's, whether it's true or not, it made sense to me when I was a bubba gum chewing knucklehead. Well, I've heard, I've heard like, the red little red squirrels can chase and... And bite the gonads off of a gray squirrel. Hello. And yeah, that, I've I've read and I've read and heard that that the little red squirrel, like the little some people yeah, call the them pine, pine squirrel, pine squirrel, that they're highly aggressive and they come and they yeah I've heard they it's not a good thing if you're a male gray squirrel or or uh, I don't know if they're I don't know if they I don't think how do you let it I don't get know there in the first I don't place? Know, yeah. Fox squirrels are well the gray squirrels running and think he's coming from behind right? Well think once he makes. Once, once lock, what part of the target do you think he's on? But uh, yeah, yeah, but anyway, uh, but I often wonder whether I, I've heard that. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but I have heard that. Um, but the uh, I've I've often wondered. Well, maybe they're biting half the tail off of the gray squirrel too, if that's a possibility. Either that, or the squirrel somehow gets the mange and loses half their tail. I it, it could be a million things. I but I've seen it. Interesting fact about a squirrel's tail, though, uh, it does act as somewhat of a parachute when they jump oh, yes. out of a tree. Yeah. Yeah, they'll flatten the hairs out. It's almost like a rudder. It's, uh, yeah, I saw a squirrel one time jump in treetop to treetop, and this is rare. It missed the branch <laughs> and came down and hit the ground. And it hit the ground, and, and it looked at me and scampered off, and it, it looked embarrassed. Yeah, like it you really didn't looked, see that, did it? It really looked embarrassed, so. Yeah. All right, so I think we got to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to embarrass ourselves some more. So uh, Cutting Edge Outdoors, thanks for listening.
choice. Welcome back to Skipper Bud's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Nobody got my meme. I'll give them a hint. We had Eagles, Doobie Brothers, Kiss, and Heart. Think about those letters, my friends. Anyway, uh, we're talking squirrels here. And, uh, you know, you're talking that nowadays you take Junior out, you get him a deluxe rifle with a scope, and you put him in a blind with eight heaters, and you let him sit on a nice, comfortable, you know, pad and, or uh, cushion, and then the deer comes out 40 yards away broadside, and he shoots it, and that's his hunting. But you and I grew up, Al, walking, the, walking through the woods, walking through the fields, slogging through the marshes with a twenty-two in our hand, chasing rabbits and squirrels. And that's how I learned how to hunt. I, I started out with a daisy repeater. And like I, I said off, off break, that uh, sometimes you'd shoot at a squirrel with the daisy repeater and you'd watch the BB bounce off the squirrel. Right. And then uh, my next most powerful weapon was a Sheridan 5-millimeter pump pellet gun. Oh, yeah. They, they, that was what? Was that the Silver Streak? The Silver Streak. At the time? I, I yep. had a Blue Streak. Okay. But uh, it, was, it was one of those deals. I was so small, I had to put the, the stock between my legs. In order to pump and, it. And with both hands, pull it back against my chest in order to pump it up. And eight was the maximum. And if I was lucky to get three in there, I was in good shape without smashing my fingers, you know, grabbing and right, right. pulling it up against. But, uh, yeah, I, in an area that I grew up, you could hunt in people's yards because they didn't want the rabbits or the squirrels around. So as long as you didn't shoot anything like their windows, their house, their gutters, whatever, they they didn't care, you know. And uh, there was a a family that was three doors down from me that had a golden retriever. It was like the neighborhood dog. And I don't know how that dog knew, but when you walked out of the the house with a, a slingshot, a BB gun, or a pellet gun, Somehow that dog found you before you were too far. Oh, he was your was, loyal hunting little buddy. It and was companion. right there with you. He's except ex- he knew it was a good meal. First oh. thing you shot, he ate, oh and after God. that, he was not interested in you. Yeah, I guess we got a caller here, Sam. I am. Yep. The squirrel conversation continues. Uh, we got Paul in New Berlin. Hey, Paul, what's up, man? Hi. Um, yeah, I've never ever seen a pine squirrel until one kind of took a ride on, on my neighbor's truck on the way back from up north. <laughs> Well, that pine squirrel chased every gray squirrel out of the neighborhood. Told ya. Yeah, you, yeah. You would see us, the squirrels on a telephone wire, and that little pine squirrel would be chasing them. Yeah, they're they're aggressive, and any deer hunter who's been out uh, knows that once they spot you in a tree, they uh, they will not shut up. They will not shut up. Um, I had one 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 chewed a hole in in our cabin up there in Douglas County, and. I, I finally caught the culprit that got the, well, it wasn't pretty for him in the end. That no. squirrel did not survive. I had my twenty two pistol at the time, I believe. And, uh, yeah, but they are aggressive little little things. Now, I don't know whether they'd actually chase a fox squirrel. Fox squirrels are actually bigger. But um, maybe we can get a cage match going between, get some bets going. <laughs> get, get, we can do, <laughs> they do dog fighting, which we in no way endorse. But how about squirrels? And in, you know the- yeah. Where the gray squirrels will get the acorn nuts and, you know, for winter. Yep. The pine squirrel collects pine cones. Oh, yes. And you would hear these pine cones falling out of this tree and hitting the house, your car, and that squirrel would be up there, you know, piling them up. I had a wood pile where there was this huge pile of pine cones for winter. 
Yeah, they uh, they are something, boy, and and they uh, you want to talk about? I I was mentioning how nervous squirrels are and how quick they move. Oh my gosh, those uh, pine squirrels, otherwise known as the red squirrel, uh, those things are just hyper as can be. Oh my God, to get them to sit still long enough to shoot them, uh, you know, with a twenty-two anyway. I mean, those things are always on the go, and a lot of people might look at one of those things and think it's a baby fox squirrel or something. You know, they are kind of similar in coloration with the reddish, but three distinct species there. You know, now that you mention it, Dan, I've seen melanistic gray squirrels, you know, white and black, yep. but I've never seen a melanistic, what you call a pine squirrel. I've only seen red. I've never seen any other color and that type. And, you're, you're right. You know, up around, up by us, yep. our vacation property, those things are everywhere. You would think that you would probably run across... A white one, at least. You yeah, know, you're right. But... I've never, never seen one. Hey, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. Like the show. Goodbye. All right, take care. Thanks. Um, yeah, I guess maybe it's maybe because you just don't see the numbers of them. Um, now, of course, there are pockets of melanistic uh, black phase uh, gray squirrels yeah. around and the white wa- along Wapaka area has oh, a bunch of them. Of them. Uh, La Crosse area has some areas with a bunch of them. Up by Superior, believe it or not. Right behind our cabin, there's very few squirrels up there. It's not there's it's not it's not good squirrel. It's not country. hardwoods, but yeah. we always get some some big black. And I I didn't have the heart to shoot one a couple of years ago. They got life so tough up there. I'm, yeah. I'm like, but uh, then last year I was up and I got up in the morning. It was during a big snowstorm up there, and I looked out the cabin window and there goes this gray squirrel. And you know, it's fresh snow, but a foot of snow. And I went to try and follow that guy's tracks, and I ended up giving up. Uh, those things are like ghosts up it's, there yeah they don't yeah they're they're on the move and they'll cover a lot of ground to get some uh to get some food well they have too. to it's unbelievable well as far as squirrel hunting tips we're talking about squirrel hunting um a couple of tips you were mentioning the old string on the other side of the tree yeah many times when i'd tree a squirrel i'd try and quiet quietly circle the tree to hope i can get a peek but if they're circling and they're not letting you get a peek, I would take my hat and throw it on the other side of the tree or a rock or a branch, and that would sometimes work. Um, another uh, another thing you can do, if you got enough patience, you can go sit back and, and wait a while for them. But they got the patience up there. They'll oh. stay up there frozen. Uh, once, That's their house. They could stay there right. all day. Now, if, now you got to hope they're in a tree that they didn't hole up, too, because they might go in a hole. But... Most of the time, they're just hiding around the tree trunk. I had a gray squirrel years ago in the middle of winter in a tiny little tree. You wouldn't believe that he could conceal himself every time I circled around. It was unbelievable. Um, Yeah, I finally ended up, I finally got him. Another tip, uh, squirrel hunting. If you ever do, this especially works with, well, we'll work with the unwounded, but especially if you have a wounded squirrel that runs up a tree and disappears and hides. and You can't spot him. Uh, rather than giving up and walking away, I've done this before. If you got a 22 and you figure about where he is way up in the tree, one shot into the trunk will normally unnerve him mm-hmm. to the point where they show themselves. It, it'll just, all of a sudden, it, it just unnerves him, a shot. And that might work with one that's unwounded as well. All of a sudden, that shot into the bark, I think that just freaks them out. And then they can't, they, they lose their nerve. If I would remember, whenever I would go squirrel hunting, I would, I had a an old spool, about a quarter of a mount of the old kite string. Remember, everybody flew kites. Yeah, you right. used to get these 500-foot spools of this almost like dental floss stuff. Right. And I would keep it with me, and, you know, if it would, where I was doing the circle dance around a tree, 
I would tie some and go back to the other side, and then I'd watch it go back. I'd pull the string, and it would come around, and I had an old Camp King, like everybody else, pocket knife, cut the string. I wouldn't bring the string back. I would just leave it there. Because I was coming back some other time, and I wouldn't have to tie oh, the string around. Oh, you could use the string if I would if just leave it the there. It's tree. kite string. Well, it's not going to hurt anybody, you know. But uh, golly, those but those are a long, long time ago I'll when I was. You, tell you what, some of the best shots I've made haven't been deer hunting; have been squirrel hunting. Where I'll 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 look at a tree, and I know one's up there. And then after, it's funny. It's kind of like it's kind of like all of a sudden, it just like it grows an ear or an eye and all of a sudden you realize that little bump on the tree is a squirrel head looking at you. Yeah. And then you got to carefully try and make your sniper shot and, and, uh, and get it. And I think the most important thing about starting hunting at that type of species and that for rabbits is you learn how to observe. You sharpen your eyesight to see those little things, like you said, an ear or an eyeball. Well, even even, even spotting a sitting rabbit, which rabbits, I used I'm, to think was impossible. You can but, see them but once if you I know learned, what you're looking for. Once I learned how to, and I think it teaches you, even squirrel hunting, you don't just go, here is the problem. I've taken people hunting squirrels before where they just go walking like they're strolling through the park. And they go, yes. I didn't see nothing. It's It really teaches you how to walk quietly, stop, and observe. It, it teaches you how to still hunt is what it teaches you how to do. Same thing with rabbits. If you don't have a dog, you take a couple steps and just start looking around, brambles under brushes, a little clump of grass. The thing that I was always picking up on was the eyeball, that black dot. Oh, yeah. You just get, out of everything that's brown or white or whatever the, the, the surrounding area is, you all of a sudden see that black circle. And it's like I used to oh. for, for a cottontail. What I'd spot is that perfectly round rock. It's yeah. not a round rock. It's the bunny. Yeah, because they hold their, they hold their ears back. Yeah, and everything they, they else. just yeah. hunker right down. So especially snowshoe rabbit hunting years ago, that the black eye thing the black against eye. the white really works. You so bet. anyway, Sam, I am. We got to go to our, our break. Is this our final break? Yes, it is. Yeah, time flies when you're wow. having fun talking squirrels with Al here. It goes quick. Yep. So <laughs> give us a call, 799-1250, if you got a hunting or fishing report. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. It's the final countdown. The final countdown. Welcome back to Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. And uh, without Tom here, without my Neo to go with my cortex, part of the brain, uh, we forgot our NFL picking contest. But in some some weeks, I think we skipped it because the Packers have a bye week. But we're going to do a, a contest anyway. We're going to pick the Badger game. So if someone wants to call 799-1250, you can win a $10 gift certificate to Curly's Waterfront Pub. Uh, Curly's Waterfront Pump Pub, uh, beautiful, uh, located on the pristine shores of Pewaukee Lake, uh, right close to Smokey's Musky Shop Bar and Casino. Right across the right across the street. Right across the street. Yeah, great place to go. So if you want, give us a call seven nine nine twelve fifty. You are almost assured to win. And we got the Badger game this week. What's the spread on that, Sam? Uh, Badgers are favored by fourteen points. So we're going to go with the Badger game. Badgers are favored. Are they playing? I'll let you go ahead Nebraska. and answer. Nebraska. Okay. I'll let you go ahead and answer the phone here. So they are playing yep. in Nebraska there? Playing Nebraska with a 14-point spread. At, and they're playing in Nebraska, I believe. Hey, ne- Nebraska has a lot of pheasants, doesn't it, Al? Isn't yes, that another t- good? Uh, the Great Plains had a rough spring. They're, the bird numbers are down. But, yeah, they, typically they do have some pretty good hunting there. Nebraska, Kansas, 
Dakotas. Gotcha. It's pretty good, but uh, once I'm retired, man, once, we're going once out you to become the, a man of we're leisure. We're gonna go somewhere, buddy. We're gonna go northeast Montana. That's it. I'm there. Going out to Scobie, Montana. Scobie. I'm gonna start stocking up on shells. So we got a contestant. Yeah, we got a uh, Tom and Newberg. Tom. In Tom the- and Newberg. All right. So All right. Tom, okay. Uh, so we're gonna make pick our picks. Uh, we got the Badgers favored by 14. We'll let you go first. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with, stick with the Badgers. Okay, Badgers. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll let Sam. Sam, what do you got? I mean, I'm going to go with the Badgers. I, I, they got to prove that they can at least get into, like, a bowl game this year or something after dropping F- a couple games already. Down to number 14. And uh, Al? Now they're playing down in Nebraska, right? Yep. And the over and under is 51, but it's a 14-point spread. That means everybody's going to be scoring. I keep thinking of that horrible Illinois game, but uh, I got to go with Bucky. And me, myself, I'm going to go with Nebraska because I still remember that horrible (laughs) Illinois game, which basically means our caller is virtually assured of a win. So we're going to put you on hold there. We got some we got some tough contests here at the Cutting Edge Outdoors here, so uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm 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 with you guys with uh, in regards to Badgers. Got to prove something. I mean, big time if they uh, want to win this Western Division. Well, yeah, if they want a, a New Year's Day or a New Year's Eve game, they got They've got to get these last two games. Right. So- Huge. All right, we'll let you get on hold there, and hey, Sam guys. will get get hold there, and Sam will get your uh, address information. I'll get that sent out to you. Take care, Ben. All right, take Thanks care, man. Thanks a lot. Yep, we'll see you. So while well, he gets that, and just uh, just a reminder, guys, if you're heading out to McMiller to sight in your weapon, like every conscientious ethical hunter should be doing with their weapon, whether it's McMiller or some other place, that at McMiller that they have a brat and I think a hamburger sale going on today. Uh, and it's for the Women's Sporting Heritage Group out of Waukesha County. So, uh, of course, McMiller sells their own stuff, but uh, here's a chance to to help a nonprofit organization that does a lot of nice work and, and actually promotes women out in the field hunting, fishing, and recreating. So, Speaking of promote, promoting, my uh, friend uh, Dave Olson, the big O, he uh, just reopened, uh, had a grand opening I think, of his place. I believe it's Studio 360, and... He had his grand opening last night, and uh, I made a mistake, Al. I thought the grand opening was tonight, but I just oh. got a text from my buddy Woody that, no, Dave had his grand opening, but uh, good luck to his business out there. And Big O's been out uh, doing catching some muskies up there in the Bay of Green Bay. So if anybody wants to catch a big muskie and then have a guy be able to take a picture of it, that's Dave at Studio 360 there in Pewaukee. Uh, also, nobody got my meme. Is it? It's meme. Is it? M- is it meme? It- M-E-M-E. M-E-M-E. Okay. I look at it and go, Mimi. I don't know. Okay. So we had the Eagles, the Doobie Brothers, Kiss and Heart. The first letter of each of those groups, that was the key. The first letter of each of those groups, Eagles, Doobie Brothers, Kiss and Heart. And what would you... If anybody can crack the code, they can give us... Well, Sam's on the phone, but yeah, you could... Maybe we got a minute or two you could try calling or call us next week if you can figure it out. I think if they get the first one, they'll get the rest. Probably. Yeah. Probably. So, anyway, you're talking about sighting uh, in. Now, you, you're you just going to sight in at your property then, right? You Correct. You don't have to worry about that. Yes. I've got enough I've got enough property that uh, I can set up now, let, a, it, 
a pallet, I shoot downhill. Now, do you sight in for 100 yards or 200 yards? I don't even, I, 100, where I hunt, either in my backyard or up in Crivets, you don't get 100-yard shots. Okay. You're in the forest. Gotcha. So there's nothing, you know, you don't, it, you don't need AT&T to reach out and touch somebody. So 50 yards and in, if I get a 50-yard shot, I'm pretty lucky. So that's all I'm interested in is getting a, you know, a coffee cup size grouping right. of three at right. 50 yards. That's more than what I'm going to need. I just got a text. Uh, somebody, Woody guessed Esox. <laughs> <laughs> I Not quite. <laughs> I don't think we had <laughs> no. Sting or, or, or... No, no, not in there. Um, now, I've gotten to the point where I now sight in for 200 yards with my 243 okay. and my... Uh, and now I bought a new 270. Uh, but with the... Because uh, for the field there up in, uh, you know, up there in the Sparta area. Yeah. But then in the woods, I, I got my 44 meg carbine. I just sight that in 100 yards. And, sure. Yeah, it's plenty good because you got that... Uh, shooting for for in close now. The, have you have you heard much about the latest? They're talking about the latest, greatest, the six point five Creedmoor. When we are doing our banquet, everybody tells us make sure that you have a Creedmoor on the board for you know to raise money. And I, I okay, fine. I've had for about thirty years now a six point five times fifty five Swedish Mauser. Okay, and. It was a World War One sniper's rifle that had been sporterized by somebody else, so it's nice and small. And it was a 149, 139-grain bullet, and I would screw deer into the ground. Just one shot, and they'd spin and go in. It was right. nothing. They, they, there was no tracking them. Just walk over to where they were, and they're laying there. So I'm assuming that the 6.5 Creedmoor is very similar to... To the to that, six five per, Swedish, yeah, I don't times fifty five Swedish. You would think so. Um, I guess but diameter similar. Um, the six point five Creedmoor. Um, it came out. It was developed in two thousand eight as a for the target shooters for the long range target shooting. They wanted to have a uh, a relatively long bullet with the right sectional density and ballistic coefficient, and it's extremely accurate for long range. And initially, they didn't have hunting bullets for it. It shoots uh, 147 grain at about 2580 feet per second, about 2600 feet per second. And the key, I guess, with it, it, it has great accuracy and long range performance with low recoil. My, and that's kind of the deal that they're, that they're you know. My 6.5 was flat at 150 yards. Right. There was that's, no drop, there was no nothing. From 150 in, it was just flat, don't aim high, low, just aim and go. And even that's not flying super fast. That's not like it's, you know, 3,500 feet per second. It's not like a 22,250. Apparently, there's more to long-range accuracy than just speed of a projectile. I mean, it's ballistic coefficient. It's all this technical stuff. But I always thought about my Mauser that was really sweet. It had that flip-up sight, rear sight, that you could dial in the yardage. You know, right? right. And it was just like, geez, can I really shoot 500 yards? And you'd go someplace like, of course, now I'm I'm a lot older and smarter. I wouldn't do this now, but you'd shoot down the high line because you had all of that distance. You didn't know who's down there, but ah, who cares? See if you can't hit that thing down there. You know, right? You'd dial it all up. And 
and there's no recoil. There's no but would bark. That thing made a noise. Really? Everybody in the whole area knew who shot what if they'd hear that gun. It's like, oh, Al got one. So, like, the 6.5 Creedmoor is now, like, everybody's darling. Every gun writer, everybody's trying to get a hold of one. And uh, I guess it would be if somebody's getting a new firearm for their kid, uh, I guess it's a pretty decent choice. Uh, you're shooting a slightly heavier grain bullet than a two forty three, for example. Most hunting rounds are maybe 100 grains. Um Although the 243 is a lot faster. Uh, but the recoil, I think it's about 14 foot-pounds for a uh, for the Creedmoor versus about 10 for the 243. So you still got a little bit less recoil with the 243. But I'll tell you what, I love that 243 for long-range shooting. Uh, I mean, that thing is just flat, yeah. flat accurate. And the nice thing about some most of those calibers, too, there's no, there's no kick for a young person to be shooting it. What startles them the most is the actual sound of the weapon. Well, and that's you know? the other thing, too. If you're going to take your kids out there, be smart. You know, have them wear hearing protection. When I was a kid, we went to a quarry in O'Connell. Just, you'd go into O'Connell like you're going towards Marinette, take a left. We'd go to a quarry, go out there, put some uh, some of those political signs that people yes. put in their yard. And Dad would give me some rolled up Kleenex to put in my ears after my ears were ringing and I was complaining. So... I guess we've come a long way well, from give there. Give your so. code here before we run code. out of time. Okay, Eagle starts with the E, Doobie Brothers with a D, Kiss with a K, H with a heart. Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> Nobody got it. I'm checking my last one here. Message here. I got messages coming in. Anyway, that's all I got, guys. Thanks for listening. Good luck, everybody, in hunting season, and be safe. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, man, deer hunting's coming up next week. We'll talk to you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.